seventh verse. And if you cipher well, that means we'll take off at the eighth verse. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. How about tonight that we stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible Word. It's the letter wrote to the church at Ephesus. We call it the book of Ephesians. Under the inspiration, it was Paul who wrote the words. In chapter 3, verse 8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Father, I ask you to bless the preaching of your word here this evening in a way that you and you alone can. Speak to our hearts. Draw us closer to you. And help us to shine brighter for you because we was here tonight. We ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. And all God's people as they were seated said, Now, if you was here... When I began to preach the book of Ephesians chapter 3, you would remember my points. And one thing has stood out to me about the book of Ephesians. It is very, very, very repetitive. And when I preach through a book that repeats itself as much as the book of Ephesians does, it makes me envy those Branson, Missouri shows. Do you realize they can come in on a summer season and they can get one show? And three times a day, for most of them, they can do the same show with a different crowd. But when I preach through a book that is so repetitive, I envy them because I have the same message, but it's the same crowd, and I've got to be careful not to change the message because it is the same message. Right? What makes that tough in our day and time? I'll tell you what makes that tough. You folks can listen to your favorite preachers at the push of a hand. And you can listen to your favorite preachers all week long preach the very same book that me on Sunday or Dave on Wednesday is going to preach. And then when you come in because at the, the push of a button and the, and the sliding of your phone, you can hear preachers preach the Bible 
over and over all week long. And then here we come. Same Bible. Same message. And we've got to try to give you something different from it. Well, when I read Ephesians chapter 3, 8 through 12, I thought, well, doggone it. I preached a mystery revealed. And my points in that message was, do you remember them? There's a special minister. And this special minister, there was a conversion. I, Paul, he wasn't always Paul. He was once Saul. But one day on the road to Damascus, he had an amazing encounter with Almighty God. And he had a conversion. You will never be a special minister until there's been a conversion. You have been saved by the amazing grace of God. And then in that special minister, we said he was committed. He said to the church at Ephesus, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be a special minister, a tool in the hands of God, let me tell you, you can't be a prisoner of sin and the devil and the flesh. You've got to be a prisoner of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ, as Paul was after his conversion. He was commissioned. This special minister was commissioned to a certain place. He was a Hebrew of all the Hebrews. But he was commissioned. And it made me wonder, as in my commission to exciting southeast, Lord, I'll do anything but pastor a church. And God must have chuckled and said, good, you'll pastor exciting southeast. The Apostle Paul was the Hebrew of Hebrews, but he was commissioned to the Gentiles. It makes me wonder when he said, Lord, anything that you'd have me to do, just don't make me go to the Gentiles. I referenced this this morning. When he headed to the Gentiles, he may have felt like a fig tree in the middle of a grape vineyard. Took a special minister, and I preached on that, a conversion, a commitment, and a commission. And remember the second point in that message on Ephesians 3, 1 through 7? There was not only a special minister, there was a spectacular message. And what made this message so spectacular, it was unveiled by God. Do you realize that He had kept a secret all the way through the Old Testament? And the secret was that salvation's for everybody. I mean, they just thought it was for his little darlings, the Jews. And all of a sudden, this is unveiled by God. This is spectacular. The Gentiles figured out they could get in on this salvation that they thought was only offered to the Jews. So it was a spectacular message to them because it was unveiled by God. But here was two races that did not like each other, the Jews and the Gentiles. What was this message so spectacular before? It not only was unveiled by God, this message, but this message unified the church. People that once hated one another had one thing in common. It brought them together, not as a union. You can tie two cat's tails together, hang them over a clothesline, and you've got union, but you've got something far from unity. Ever done it? But this spectacular message, it didn't just bring union. It brought unity. 
And then I moved from a special minister who had been converted, committed, and commissioned to a spectacular message because it was unveiled by God. It unified, unified the church. And I finished with a supernatural miracle because God took a murderer and made him a missionary. God took one who persecuted the church and made him a preacher. That is a supernatural miracle. And so, can you imagine... I'm thinking about the Branson shows. I'm thinking about at the touch of your finger, you can listen to sermon after sermon, podcast after podcast from this same book. And I read Ephesians 3, 8 through 12, and I just look to the heavens and say, it's the same thing. So what am I going to do tonight? I'm going to elaborate on the same three points. You ought to look up elaborate because it simply means dig deeper. I'm going to dig deeper into this special minister. I'm going to dig deeper into this spectacular message. And I'm going to dig deeper into this supernatural miracle. Same points, different subpoints, because we're digging deeper. Elaborating on the mystery revealed. Number one, this special minister, yes, we know there was a conversion, commitment, and a commission, but when I read verse 8, this special minister, if you listen and say, I am, he has to be holy. It starts out, to me. And when I read, to me, I thought about what he said to the church at Corinth. What was that? Imitate me. He says, to me, here, but it took me where he said, imitate me. That's what he said to the church at Corinth. The same church, he said, you've got to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Listen, we should not walk like and talk like the rest of the world. And he said, since my conversion experience, since I've been committed to Christ, I've been commissioned, I understand I've got to be a holy man. I've got to live my life under the instruction and under the influence of Jesus Christ. And listen, wouldn't we all like to come to a point in our life say, imitate me simply for the reason of I imitate Christ. Come out from among them and be separate. This is the same guy that told the church at Rome, do not be a stumbling block. So if we want to be a special minister, we got to go beyond a conversion and a commitment and a commission. A special minister has to be holy. And Paul knew if you're ever going to be a special minister, you got to be set apart in the way you live your life. As Christians, I hope you're listening to me, our lives are useless unless they can be seen. Let that soak in. Our lives are useless unless they can be seen. Lamps don't talk, they shine. Lighthouses don't beat on drums. But yet they have directed a many a ship safely to the shore. Folks, the Apostle Paul was probably one of those, like many preachers have said and well said, preach the gospel always, use words when necessary. 
And so the Apostle Paul says, it's not just conversion and commitment and commissioned. It's we've got to be holy. We've got to be set apart. But watch this. To be a special minister, not only do we need to be holy, we need to be humble. This is the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. He just said, I'm less than the least. He didn't say, I'm less than all. He said, I'm less than the least. That's about the bottom, folks. He said, I'm the less than the least of all the saints, and this was given to me. You know, if that was some of the preachers that I listen to today, they wouldn't have said something like that. If they would have been the Apostle Paul, let's just say they would have had the credentials of the Apostle Paul, they would have said to me, who started every church that we read about in the New Testament, to me, who wrote over half of the New Testament, to me, who sailed across the seas, to all the sinners. I mean, have you ever heard a preacher that wants to get up there and tell you everything that he's ever done, ever place that he's ever been, and wants to have all these initials at the end of his name? Folks, if there's ever one that could have told you what he's done, where he's been, it's this guy, and he just said humbly to me, who am less than the least of all of the saints, this grace was given to me. That's pretty humble. And so if the Apostle Paul shows humility here, who are we to show anything less than humility? Always think about James, who wrote the book of James. James, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if he had lived in our day and time, he had said, James, the half-brother of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Could he have said that? Yes. Why? Because he was. Could the Apostle Paul said, I who have done more than the rest of the apostles? I believe he wrote more of the Scripture than any of the others. I believe he started more churches than any others. Could he have? Yes, he could have. But did he? No, he didn't. He said, I am the least, I'm the less of the least of all the saints. You want to be a special minister? I think we ought to take some pointers from Paul. Be holy, be humble. But watch this spectacular message. I love this. I knew I had to elaborate, dig deeper. Because when it comes to this spectacular message, yes, it's unveiled by God. Here's a mystery. It's been kept from all the ages, and it's unveiled by God. He chooses a man at a certain point, and it's, unveiled, and it's unifying the church. But watch this spectacular message. Not only is it unveiled by God and unifies the church, this spectacular message is an encouraging message. Look what he says in verse 8. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I want you to think about that. This is an encouraging messages, 
message because he said, I'm going to preach among the Gentiles. What am I going to preach? The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Rich in His grace. Rich in His mercy. Rich in His forgiveness. Are you with me? That's who He is. And I get to go preach this message. And we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And aren't you glad, even though we don't want to sin, we sin because that's in us. And aren't you glad a message can come in and say that God is rich in His mercy, He's rich in His grace, He's rich in His forgiveness, and He's never going to run out. And when we fall short, guess what? There's an encouraging message. He can give us a second chance and a fresh start. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. And then when I think about riches, I think about, man, does anybody else need an encouraging message today? I do. Let me tell you why. This economy, I, I, it just seems a little shaky to me. Anybody else in here feel like the economy just a little shaky? I thought there might be some people that would side with me on that. I mean, this economy, the cow market, I, I get tickled when, I, when I'm reading these blogs and these things on cattle. If you can hang on to your cattle, hang on. You might be the only one with them in 2024. If you can hang on to your cattle, hang on to them. We're setting up for some more high-dollar high cattle like we did in 2014 and 2015. And I want to believe that and I want to hang on to that. But I can't help but think, man, we've seen some high-dollar cattle in 2015. But I'm just not sure the economy was quite in the shape that it is in 2022 or will be in 2024. I want to believe them. I want to get encouragement from those messages, but I'm just going to be gut honest. They ain't nobody knows. And I mean, we just keep going on. Land is getting skyrocket high. Homes are skyrocket high. And how do you pay five or six or seven thousand dollars for land and sell a seven hundred dollar cap? It don't work. And things that you guys are doing, that's what I do. Things that you're doing, I'm telling you right now, it probably isn't working real well. Right now, the margins are too slim. And so, sometimes, even the messages to tell you to hang on through this. We know it's shaky. We know it's on the blink. We know evil's running rampant. We know all this stuff. Wall Street's up. Wall Street's down. Our politicians are doing this and doing that. And those, my dear friends, they might be encouraging to you. There ain't a political show, there ain't a news show that's been encouraging to me for a long, long time. Anybody else agree with that? But I'm telling you, when we open up the Word of God, and a preacher preaches the Word of God, let me tell you, the economy may be on the blink. Sin may be slipping and coming into our lives. But we can go to a God who's rich in mercy, rich in grace. He's always quick to forgive us of our sins and cast them into the depths of the sea. And let me tell you something. He shall supply all our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And let me just tell you, one day He who was rich, that's Jesus Christ, became poor. That what? We who are poor might become rich. I don't know about you, but I need that encouraging message in this day and time. Amen? 
So it's a spectacular message because it's an encouraging message. Now this may not get you right here, but it gets me. It's also an exciting message. And I want you to hear me. It's exciting to all people. Now think about this mystery. This has been withheld from the Gentiles all through the ages. So look at this. Look at verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. In other words, it's it's exciting because the mystery is no more. Man, if you've been, if, if there's been a mystery, there's been a secret, and it's fixing to be no more, let me tell you something. That's pretty exciting. We're fixing to find out what this mystery is. That's when I see the word mystery in the Bible and a mystery that's not been unveiled by God yet. I get excited for the day, like the second coming, when that, that mystery, mis- mysterious event happens that we have preachers tell you exactly how it's going to happen, and I just chuckle at them. I said, it says it's a mystery. You're not God. You can sit there and say you know how, but it clearly stays. So that's a mystery that I'm excited to see. And why is this so exciting? Because this mystery has been unveiled. They just let it out. It's been kept a secret from Adam and Eve. It's been kept a secret from Abraham, from Moses, some of the most godliest men in the Bible. This has been kept from them. It's been kept from David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It's been kept. And and listen, all of a sudden, this mystery is revealed. This was planned. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Look here. We've been wondering who these Old Testament... They wondered who they was talking about. And all of a sudden... This is exciting because it was planned. And here comes Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that you and I might receive the adoption as sons. Do you know that was all planned? No accident. And so it's exciting because it's planned. But watch this. It's exciting to all races. It's exciting to the Gentiles. Look at verse 8. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's an exciting message to the Gentiles because they wasn't part of the family of Abraham. And all of a sudden, remember I said it when I preached, some of you white folks, you can't get excited about about us Indian folks getting cheaper tags. All 32nd of me. I'm the only guy that went to the Indian National Finals and they protested me every year I went. They said, he can't be Indian. Look at him. G.V. Gulliger said, we need to put a guard at his horse. They hate him. They don't like blue-eyed white Indians. And I'd stand up and I'd say, I'm a 32nd, brother. But here's the deal. If you was a race that didn't get to partake in something great... And then all of a sudden, the one that had these riches and the ones that had these things to offer you, all of a sudden you find out, hey, you're in. I'm going to tell you, you think the Gentiles didn't go to shouting? Remember, they was quiet in Acts chapter uh, 11 when, when he's revealing to the apostles and the prophets, this salvation is for the Gentiles. Remember, there's about two chapters of it. And when they was told, hey, you guys can have eternal life in Jesus, remember the Bible said they were quiet for a moment. 
Come on, man. Yeah. You can read it in the Bible. They was quiet and then they give glory to God. I mean, they was quiet because they was in shock. We've heard about heaven. We've heard about God. But we just kind of didn't think much about it because it wasn't for us. And now we just find out the God who loved the Jews, the God who can keep you out of hell and get you into heaven, He said us Gentiles can go by putting our faith in Him. So man, can you imagine being a Gentile and finding out you can get in on this deal? It was exciting to them. It gives them a reason to shout. And since we're Gentiles, we ought to shout tonight. Hey, we got in on this deal. But it's an exciting message to the Jews. And you say, well, this, this mystery hadn't been hidden from the Jews. Well, wait a minute. They thought it was all about keeping the law. So here they are. They're trying to keep the law. And let me tell you how many's done it. All the way through the Old Testament. You want me to tell you how many's done it? Johnny doesn't give me a hand signal, and I thank for the advice when I'm preaching. Zero. So here's the Gentiles. Can you imagine this? I'm talking about a spectacular message, and it's exciting. Here's the Gentiles. And they think they're not in this. We're not descendants of Abraham. We can't escape hell. We can't make heaven because we're not the right race. And, and Paul shows up and says, I've got some great news. You guys are in on it. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He was buried. And He rose again on the third day. And He didn't just do it for the Jews. He done it for you Gentiles. And all of a sudden they go, Wow! But look here. Listen to me. And you say, well, it, it, how could it be exciting to the Jews? They was just as long-faced as the Gentiles. They didn't think they was in on it, but why are they long-faced? Nobody's kept the law. And so the preacher shows up and says, guess what? The law was nothing but a tutor to show you you couldn't do it. And it was a tutor to show you you needed Jesus. And it took me a while to find out Jesus is the same person that Kevin was talking about when he said, Jesus. Same person. We just say it a little different. And so here's a long-faced bunch of Jews. Nobody's kept the law. And the preacher shows up and says, guess what? It ain't about keeping the law. God sent His Son. He died on the cross. He was buried. And He rose again. And for all you folks, all you folks that couldn't keep the law, guess what? You can put your faith in the One that come and fulfilled the law. And guess what? You can escape hell and go to heaven. And I'm sure they got a little quiet too. I don't find it in the Bible. <laughs> Cover your ears, Calvin. Because they got pretty quiet, but I'm sure they went to shouting. You see, are you following me? It was exciting for the Gentiles because they didn't think they was including. They was long-faced. But the Jews, when they found out they couldn't keep the law, they was just as long-faced. So this message was spectacular, and it was exciting. That's the Gentiles. That's the Jews. You ever thought about who else this message was exciting to? How about the angels? Read it. Verse 10 says, 
to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, listen to this, to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. Do you know what that just said? This mystery was even kept from the angels, folks. You think they wasn't up there in heaven going, what is God doing? Adam and Eve and Abraham and Moses and David, you think they wasn't scratching their head? They're wondering, man, what in the world's going on to this? And now Paul says, listen, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. To who? The principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Again, you guys need to hear it more than once in the Bible. I don't. But if you go to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To them, the prophets of old, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have, been preached, those who have preached the gospel to you. The Holy Spirit sent from heaven, listen to this, things which the angels desire to look into. The prophets were preaching. The prophets were sent. The Holy Spirit moved on people. And what was happening in heaven? The angels desired to look into this. What is going on? And then listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as a man condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and men. The Gentiles are shouting glory after a time of silence. The Jews are shouting glory after a time of silence, and the angel who's been up there the whole time wondering, what's these prophets doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing? And Paul preaches this message, and now the angels go to shouting, that's what it's been. This mystery is finally unveiled. Spectacular message, and it's exciting to the Gentiles, the Jews, and even the angels. Good stuff, folks. And then... Do you see where I'm at? I'm elaborating on the special ministry. It's deeper than converted and and committed and commissioned. It's holy and it's humble. Are you with me? I'm elaborating more on this spectacular message. It's more than just unveiled by God and unifying the church. It's exciting and it's encouraging. You with me? And it's exciting for everybody. And then look here. I'm elaborating some more on the supernatural miracle according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, verse 12 says, refers to Jesus Christ, but more importantly, what He done. You hear me often say, you need to believe in Jesus, who He is. That's the Son of God. And I don't know that it's more importantly, but it's equal as important. Not to believe in only who He is, but believing in what He done. Dying on the cross, being buried, and having rose again. Look at that in verse 12. In whom we have the boldness and access 
boldness, access with confidence through faith in Him. This Old Testament, it's a mystery. You go to the priest. You take your sacrifice. Huh? But there's a veil. You can't go in there. The only one that can go in there is the priest. He's the only one that can enter in behind that veil into the Holy of Holies, right? But Jesus, who He is, the Son of God, what did He do? He died on the cross. You ever read Matthew chapter 27? And when He's on the cross, that veil, that veil was ripped in two. Don't ever miss this. Not from the bottom to the top. And God made sure He included it was ripped in two from the top to the bottom, letting you know, letting me know, letting the angels know. Let me tell you what's happened. This mystery has been revealed and it's supernatural because the man can't tear the veil in two. The only one that can rip the veil in two is the Son of God and He ripped it in two from the top to the bottom and because He ripped it in two, you and I can boldly enter into the throne room of grace. We've got access to the throne room of grace and we can enter it with confidence through faith in who he is and what he done folks I'm glad I've met God the son because if I've met God the son he's always got access to God the father when George Bush senior was in the White House I'm going to tell you who had access to him. George Bush Jr. 24-7. Because he was a child. You try to get in there, you didn't have access. But George Bush Jr. had access. And when we come to know the Son, then we have access through the Son to the Father. Folks, I sure am glad that I know the Son. Therefore, I have access to the Father. Amen. I know I've said it many times, and I probably wear you folks out repetitively speaking. But I'm like Paul. Every time I think I'm going to wear something out, he says, don't think it tedious. I speak to you the same things. It's for your safe. But... What I say to you often, maybe it's not said in a while, the world is full of lies. We've got them little sayings. And remember, one of those sayings is, I just get tickled every time I hear it. And, and we don't hear it as much anymore. But growing up, I'd always hear, dog is man's best friend. Dog is man's best friend? I ain't found very many that like me. You know, I had a dog as man's best friend. Lake Region's down there trying to get us internet. And I, I, I tell you what, I ain't had no entertainment in a long time. But they pulled up at our house. And they got out and they was walking over to put that internet on the side of our house. And old Jensen River, I mean, got after their tails. Got a hold of pant leg. And I mean, most people, if that was happening, would holler at their dogs. I mean, I just sit down and say, I wonder what they're going to do. 
And I watched that one run and jump on the fence. And the guy in the truck that was in the bucket truck, he was like me. He said, get down, boy. Go put that over on the house. He was safe in the bucket. And I'm sitting up there just watching. I'm sure if my wife had been there, she'd say, holler at them dogs. What do you want me to say? Skid them, boys. Huh? And the world's trying to tell us dog is man's best friend. I bet that a Lake Region guy would disagree. I bet he'd tell you that's a lie. But what's the opposite? Take the word dog and turn it around. I mean, what the world tells you, sometimes it's just the opposite. Right? That's a lie. God's man's best friend. And he desires friendship with you. What's another the lie the world tells us? I believe it when I see it. Huh? I want you to think about that. I believe it when I see it. Man, I'd tell them young ropers, you're going to do good tonight. And they'll be so down on themselves, they'll say, I believe it when I see it. And I said, you better start believing it or you'll never see it. Did you hear what I just said to them? I can say it to ball players. They get so low. And the world's telling them, I believe it when I see it. And you tell them they're going to win. You tell them they're going to do good. And and they're so down. You know what they'll believe? They'll believe the world's lies. And they'll say, I believe it when I see it. And I simply said, you probably won't never see it if you don't start believing it. Let me tell you what the Word of God says. If you don't believe it without seeing it, you'll never see Him. Because we're saved by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, but evidence of things what? Not seen. Talk about a lie. Dog's man's best friend. I believe it when I see it. You better believe it or you'll never see it. But there's one truth they tell us. Boy, you're trying to get a job at this place, and they say you'll never get on there unless you. And they'll simply say to you, it's not what you know. You may be way more qualified for the job. But I'll tell you something, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Can I tell you this Sunday evening? That's not a lie. That's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If you want to escape hell and you want to get into heaven, it won't be about what you know. It'll be about who you know. And I'm asking you tonight, do you know him? He's the son. And it's our only access to the Father. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you tonight. And we thank you when we have hurts. When we have hang-ups. When we have despair. We thank you that when we get blindsided by life. We thank you that because we know you. We can boldly enter the throne room of grace. We have access. And Father, I thank you that you put that word confidence in the Scripture. Father, I know what's going on in many of the lives that's in this room tonight. And I am so thankful that we have access and boldness, and can have confidence through faith 
that we can come to the throne room of grace. And because you're rich in mercy, rich in grace, rich in forgiveness, that you can get us through the struggles we face. Father, I pray that you speak to the hearts of your people here tonight. I pray that we would enter boldly into the throne room of grace in these altars tonight to lift up brothers and sisters, lost people, a persecuted church, a godless government, our country, our church, our vacation Bible school. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. Help us to be those special ministers. We see so many of them in the Bible. Help us to carry that spectacular message that's an encouragement and an excitement to everyone. So you, a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, can do supernatural miracles. Father, we love you, we praise you. Have your way now. In Jesus' name.